The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Has anything changed since we last spoke with you? Wins. Injuries. The NFL has no good quarterbacks. This week on Pod Like... A raven. So we uh, we were last here a week ago. The AFC North w- was a gauntlet of talented teams and quarterbacks, and the Ravens had come off of a terrible loss, and we had all these fears about a Thursday night primetime game against the talented Bengals, and boy, have things changed. I am Antonio Barbera. I'm going to bring in my co-hosts here, starting with Tim Horsey. Tim, how are you? Um, I mean, spoiler alert for me, I don't think that much has changed, but, you know, that's just me and my cynicism, which I guess we'll get into. But other than that, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm really good. It's, you know, 8-3, and three, staring at a incredibly stupid Chargers team to wrap up a uh, Sunday night football before before a bye week. It's hard not to feel as cynical as I want to be. It's hard not to feel yeah, okay about this Ravens team. So not doing too bad. And Jay Sevens, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Antonio. It's 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 definitely a good thing we uh you know normally take at least one day to process this, but I think having several days to process this game Certainly, I think puts us in a better place because because I'll, I'll let the uh, the listener in. There was there's some venom, there was some vitriol, there was some some extreme angst in the group chat on Thursday night, um, and I think you know for the most part it's gone away. There's certain long term concerns I still have, but um, I mean you just mentioned it like the way our game and then just this past weekend played out, um, and really the whole week. It, it does feel like the Ravens are sort of in a better place, even if they, you know, suffered a catastrophic injury on Thursday night we'll get into. Uh, in the grand scheme, I think things are okay. I certainly feel better than I did on Thursday night. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird place to be. I'm not still convinced this team's all that good or going to win the Super Bowl, but, you know, someone has to win the AFC, uh, and... The Ravens look like one of the f- three or four best teams in the conference. So, 
even despite all their problems, it's still a good place to be. Yeah, we wrapped up our episode last week, and the Ravens had come off a horrendous third loss of the season. Deshaun Watson looked like Deshaun Watson from 2017, I think, 2018, somewhere in there. And now a week later, and Watson is out for the season. Uh, Burrow out for the season. The Steelers finally losing one of the games that they should be losing week in, week out. And the Ravens 8-3 and three with the only offense that seems to be able to put up any, any points. And yet they have their own issues to, to deal with that we will get into. They, they win Thursday night 34-20. to 20. Um, It's a tale of two halves-ish, almost, uh, whatever you want to call it, 35 minutes to 25 minutes. And a tale of two Bengals teams, really. The pre-Burrow and the post-Burrow. Because what was looking like a top-level back-and-forth was dimmed first when Andrews got hurt on the first drive and extinguished completely when Burrow was seen unable to grip and throw the ball on the sideline in the second quarter. After it seemed clear that he was unlikely to continue playing in this game, it seemed like the Bengals' defense was demoralized, the offense obviously unable to move the ball consistently, and what was a 14-10 game eventually turns into a blowout. So we, we're going to get into it a little bit, but first of all, after all is said and done, and we wake up Friday morning... Would you rather have lost this game than lost Mark Andrews for the season? Oh, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course. Um, Mark Andrews is, and we'll get into this in detail here, Mark Andrews is the most important member of the offense that isn't named Lamar Jackson. Um, He is the safety blanket. He is the man that comes up with the big play when big plays are needed for a team full of players who do not want to make the big play ever. Um yeah, I I think it's I think it's devastating. Um, you know, John Harbaugh speaking on Monday said there's an outside chance he can play, which every joke was the same. I just I heard Jace Evans in the Twitter replies of that mean in John Harbaugh that means he'll be out till 2027 um, with this injury. <laughs> um, so I yeah I it's hard it's hard to you know in retrospect and kind of looking at it with hindsight, be like, yeah, I would have rather lost to the Bengals now that I'm sitting comfortably with a 14-point win and Joe Burrow being out for the year. But we're talking, you know, a month from now, we're going to be screaming about not having that safety blanket in Mark Andrews. So, yeah, in this weird, you know, alternate reality, yeah, I think I would absolutely rather have Mark Andrews and suffer another crushing defeat at the hands of Jake Browning. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that's kind of for me like and especially you know first drive they're moving the ball obviously we've talked about you know, Ravens seem to get off to a perfect start every week they almost never trail doesn't matter until uh, the third quarter season. does not the game <laughs> yeah. literally does not matter until the third quarter and, and he was having a great like he caught their first pass or a significant pass their first first down and then he he can he catches that sets them right up on the cusp of the goal line uh, and then, it, yeah, just to lose him, like, immediately, and you know it immediately it's bad because he's, like, doing the hand thing and, like, you're like, oh, at first I was like, he hurt his spine or something because I was like, oh, he can't get up, but it's his leg because he fractured whatever it's in his ankle or at least cracked it. Uh, not good. And, yeah, it cast an immediate pall over the game for me and to the point where I was like, ah, oh, who cares? Who cares who wins? Like, it, it kind of spoiled, you know, you beat the Bengals by 14, but it's kind of like... You know, his injury, you're like, yeah, you're worried about the long-term impact because you're like, you can win this game, but if you don't have your your best offensive player, your leading touchdown man, your second leading receiver overall, 
uh, on the season, it, it's going to be felt. It's going to be felt down the stretch. Uh, like we we know it's he's he's Lamar's security blanket. I think as Tim said, and so it just put me in immediate funk, and I think colored kind of everything that came after uh, in this game for me. And I think combined with the Burrow injury, so that's. You know, you mentioned this back and forth, Antonio. Burrow, he he's he gets kind of crunched by Clowney. Um, it seems like that's the play. He tears whatever in his wrist, and it makes itself evident to him when he throws that pass to Mixon and is just grabbing his wrist in pain and yelling aloud and stuff and can't grip the ball. Like, after he went out, there was a very brief moment at the beginning of the third quarter where I was like, oh, my God, is Jake Browning going to lead this team back? Because he was able to kind of pick his way down the field more than he probably should have. But then they go, like, three and out, three and out, three and out. And uh, it became clear they just didn't have anything. So, like, once Burrow went out, it was kind of, aside from that one drive, basically, was like, I felt like there was nothing to learn from this game. And the takeaway was just like, we lost Mark Andrews and <laughs> didn't learn anything and who cares? So yeah, I, it sucks. That's a long way to answer your question. I guess I, I probably would have rather lost the game than lost Mark Andrews. Um, I mean, certainly for the Bengals, big picture, losing Burrow, you know, probably knocks off a contender. So that doesn't hurt the Ravens when you're considering or hoping they win the division and are likely playing one of these AFC North teams or another wild card team. So in that sense, I guess the win was good to kind of get them to five and five. But on the whole, yeah, kind of just a bummer of a night for me. The the thinnest, thinnest of silver linings offensively is Andrews obviously is hurt on the first drive and it's not like the team wasn't able to score without him on the field the, uh, uh, not a perfect offensive performance and yet 34 points scored the fifth straight game that the Ravens have scored 30 or more points this is what we wanted this is what we asked for in the summer in the offseason this is what we wanted from a new coordinator this is what we expected when they made a priority in investing in the wide receiving core and it's kind of hitting, I mean, I can say it's hitting its stride, because without being in stride, they are scoring 30 points every single game. Long may it continue. Uh, I mean, a run game that was slow to start and then found its groove late. Uh, Lamar making enough plays, being, you know, taking care of, of the football. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. looking better and better. I, I may be eating all the words that I spoke about him a couple of weeks ago in frustration after his fumble, but he's looking more explosive by the week. They will need him to fill the playmaking void that Andrews leaves behind. So I'm going to I'm going to posit it this way. The the your your guys' offensive analysis is the difference between this game and the Browns game just a tip ball that led to an Aguilar touchdown rather than a pick six. And actually nothing has changed outside luck and circumstance? Or is this offense actually, are we seeing real takeaways that can lead to points and wins in January? Like most of these questions that you give us because you're a brilliant host, I think there's kind of answers on both sides. Really, I think that, yeah, the the Nelson Aguilar thing, which is funny, like in the moment it happened, it was a tip ball and I just like, shrugged it off like oh yeah cool play when if that would have happened the other way i'd have been like same old ravens god everything did like just lost my mind um 
And I think you put it so eloquently there that, you know, Jace and I, admittedly, like I, I sent in the group chat, like I was the Popeye's worker meme when Mark Andrews went down. Like I was just despondent completely like F this team, F all of this. It's, it's happening again. Then Lamar gets hobbled and you're just like in a state of absolute misery, um, which we don't even need to really talk about because it seems like he's OK, thank God, and was actually protecting himself after the game like. Like, going down early before taking contact. What a novel concept from your, like, super, super rich quarterback. Um, but I think, yeah, at the end of the day, you kind of have to look at it's 34 points, and this team can put up points against pretty much anybody. Like, even the Cleveland Browns they did, they've done relatively well against, who are this incredible defense for as much as we want to make fun of the historic notion, right? Um, and on on this, too... I have more confidence in this unit stepping up to fill the gap that Mark Andrews leaves than I did ever since Mark Andrews has been here in 2018. You know, I think Zay Flowers, rookie receivers tend to come on later in the year as they really start to catch up to game speed. And he's already been dynamic. I think he could become an incredible force. We all love Isaiah Likely. Like, this is the time for a guy like that to step up and not be Mark Andrews, but be... Hell, he doesn't have to be option two on this team like he did last year if, if Mark Andrews wasn't in there. He could be option six, five, like, it, you know, some somewhere in that range. I think Nelson Aguilar has been a revelation. Like, I know, obviously, his touchdown is relatively lucky here, but he has stepped up in some big moments. Odell Beckham Jr., like you said, Antonio, this team has options, and it, it's really, you know, Gus Edwards has been absolutely incredible. Keaton Mitchell we've talked about, which we'll get into more, but... Yeah, I, I, weirdly, for me, I tend to lean more positive with you of, like, I believe in this offense and their ability to compete and keep them in, like, this is this is the great thing about this Ravens team, right? As, as much as I want to, I personally want to be cynical about it, is that they have shown when they don't blow games and when they don't shoot themselves in the foot, both feet, losing three toes a game, fumbling the ball, doing the Joe Flacco, you know, backsided fumble thing and coming to a city near you, Cleveland. Um, I, they can beat you in a, in a number of different ways. And it, whether it's the offense in a, for the Ravens and for the AFC North, a shootout 34 to 20, whether it's a defensive battle, and we'll talk about them a little bit later. I've, I have my doubts. A little bit as we as we go on here, but the offense has really really stepped up when they need to, and I think, yeah, the in, the Andrews injury is going to be devastating. But I, long story short, I believe that they can still keep this thing rolling while missing one of their most important cogs. It, the Beckham development, I think, has been kind of the the more interesting thing the last the last few weeks because yeah, like if if. Someone has to seemingly take over that number one target in like the red zone, sure. or just the guy Lamar is looking to, uh, and it could be Beckham. And this was his first hundred yard game since the twenty twenty one NFC Championship game uh, when the Rams went to the Super Bowl. So um, you know, it does take a while to come back from an ACL uh, injury, and it's looking like he's starting to turn the corner. And I mean, just on the points thing. Um, you know, it might not feel like it, but this is like historic offensive production for the Ravens. It's five straight 30-point uh, games now, and the last time they've done that, and the only time I believe they've done that in franchise history is in 2019. So, you know, they're chugging along in a way we really haven't seen. So, like, 
because in the moment I felt like it w- was bad. I didn't think the Ravens played all that well, like you said. Like yeah. so many things could go differently, and you know they had some bad. Like there was that that kind of just absolutely bogus say flowers screen touchdown that should have counted that got kind of wiped off the board. Uh, so you know some points taken away from them, but some lucky Jace, points that, too. An all time an all time ball don't all lie <laughs> moment in the history of the NFL is the tip ball leading to Aguilar's touchdown. <laughs> like three plays after that <laughs> yeah. flowers touchdown is taken back yeah so that's 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 football though right it's like you know refs are gonna make bad calls the ball bounces funny so i guess that's where you you take solace in it I, you know it, it is funny i've gone i went from i know i'm a dumb guy uh antonio because i went from thinking see season is over uh like right after in the immediate aftermath to like three days later i'm like Maybe making Lamar throw to other people opens things up. <laughs> it's less predictable. I, I don't know that that's true um, necessarily, uh, but I'm at least thinking it. I, I do think, obviously, they're going to miss Andrews in the, the big moments. And something that just kind of got me to thinking was what something John Harbaugh said in the immediate uh, aftermath of the game, which was just uh, how much Mark Andrews cares. Which is like an underrated thing, but it got me thinking about like that chase down he attempted when when Tyler Huntley fumbled the the playoff victory uh, away last year, and and just Andrews chugging down the field. He does care, I think, visibly more than a lot of people, uh, and you just hope you know someone on the offensive side of the ball can, can sort of fill that void. Um, so I think he'll be missed in that respect, certainly. And, and like Tim said, I don't buy for a second that we see Mark Andrews again this year. I don't know why no, Harbaugh geez. even floated that possibility out there today. But, um, yeah, I, it's going to hurt, I think. But I'm at least, you know, the investment they made in the wide receiver position. I mean, because if Mark Andrews got hurt last year or the year before, uh, we might have had like eight passing yards a game. We are at least better equipped to handle uh, his absence in, in in a way. And that's credit to the moves to Costa made this offseason. Um, so far, they seem to be working out. We have a professional wide receiver room. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they're kind of kind of have to, you know, use Isaiah Likely. Like, they've barely thrown, I think he had nine catches coming into this game. Uh, after, you know, we hyped him up. He had a few great games last year. He had, a, a, what, 100 yards, I think, against the Bucks. He had a great game against the Saints, had a touchdown. He's going to get his chance now, so kind of – has to prove it, but it, it'll hurt. But I think there's still positives. I think the way they're running the ball's better. They're got mostly all healthy running backs at the moment. It, it's not, a, you know, as I wake up on Monday, it's not as, I think, as much of a disaster as I thought on Friday morning at this time. But I think, you know, it, it, I, I won't, I'm not going to be surprised if it, you know, it becomes clear Mark Andrews' absence hurts us at a key moment. Yeah, football uh, giveth. And taketh away. Beckham looks great. Keaton Mitchell explodes onto the scene, and then all of a sudden we must take away uh, <laughs> a star tight end from from this unit. The likely stuff is interesting because it's not like he hasn't performed this year because he just hasn't played well compared to his rookie year. He just got bumped several rungs down the ladder of uh, talent, really, or of established pros uh, in terms of playmakers. And now he's got an opportunity, and this is all you can ask for. I, th- I'm gonna be, I think, not surprised, but I think it's gonna be a, a pleasant uh, resurgence for for him in this offense with finally ability to get touches, can break tackles, um, turn first downs. But 
Just keep Mark Andrews on the sidelines for all these games. Keep the positive energy. Keep that caring uh, attitude. Uh, and then try to make just enough plays at his position on the field. Defensively, um, some major takeaways are a little difficult um, based on the Burrow to, to Browning uh, shift. But we're going to go over a, a few a few things here. Um, every advanced metric says Odafe always having an amazing season. <laughs> Great. Uh, I saw him miss yet another clear sack opportunity in the first half against the starting quarterback. Guess what? He got his sack against the backup quarterback. I saw him commit two ridiculous, unnecessary penalties. Um, Great. Good for you, Odafe. I mean, you're doing amazing this year. Uh, That's frustrating me to no end. Pressures are great. I just see a guy that can't close, can't get the right angle to, to bring players down and had a couple of penalties that that are frustrating Uh, another thing that i'm going to go to quickly is the bengals found something attacking our linebackers in man-to-man coverage patrick queen has speed to burn but still struggles a bit in pass coverage and burrow was 100 percent looking for him and roquan smith matched up against mixon and and tight ends and that's how they ended up driving pretty much easily driving downfield and, and getting their touchdown before burrow got hurt Prepare for other teams to 100% mm-hmm. copy this in the coming weeks. We've seen it every so often, a few plays here and there. On that drive, it was specifically, that was his first read. when And they were doing that intentionally, and, and that will definitely be copied by other teams. So they're going to have to figure that out somehow, um, but but an issue that, that could be found. What, what, what did you guys see? Um, defensively against the Bengals the the OA thing's so weird Antonio I, I believe I texted you all I, I refuse to get gaslit by by the nerds who say he's good because I, I, I'm just so with you I I do think maybe in some respects he has improved like I think he has a sack in several games in a row now he's up to four on the year I think he's fine but he's certainly my, my work my current working theory on him I was thinking about this uh as you know, I think I saw more. How good is Adafi Owe? Like high, one of the highest graded Ravens always by PFF and stuff like that. And uh, I, I think the problem with him is it just I think a problem I just have with drafting developmental players in a win now league, and especially when you're a win now team that has Super Bowl aspirations like the Ravens. It's like I, I just don't feel like you can afford to draft developmental prospects with first round picks or even second round picks like even if he is developing into a solid player like he's in year three now and we're like oh he's maybe starting to put it together it's like year four comes you gotta make a fifth year option decision and then it's like if he is finally a good solid player by year four you're either letting him walk or paying him way too much and it's just I don't know yeah I I just I think like I just think it's bad business (laughs) that's kind of my just overarching uh take on uh, Adafi Owe because I think he is getting better but yeah by the time he's what we needed him to be as a first round pick he's yeah either going to be too expensive um or he's going to be gone (laughs) that's that's not what you want uh for trading what was your at the time starting left tackle when you're starting uh with Ronnie Stanley hurt so yeah I don't know that's 
I, I see the numbers. I, I even see moments during games where you're like, oh, that was a nice play when you like watch the replay. But yeah, too too many times he just isn't getting like it's it's never in a big moment with him. It's always just bad mistakes and stuff. I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see him as like a Pro Bowl guy or anything. I think he's fine. But uh, you can't. <laughs> yeah, if you trade a starting left and right tackle, you can't just have a fine rotational defensive end. <laughs> That's not great. Yeah, it's just a great point. Like I don't want to belabor it, but everything Jace said, and then emphasizing that those first and second round picks need to be play now guys when you're paying your quarterback this much money like this is the formula for building teams and you can say oh the salary cap isn't real look at some of these teams do what some of these teams do no when when the guy leaves the rookie deal drafting well and and the ravens it seems like they kind of have over the last couple when especially when we criticized eric DaCosta and you know this year's class looks looks pretty good so far um you know linderbaum is obviously hit as well as another pick those guys have to be plug and play they just have to be and it'll be a thing where yeah he's a little bit he's a rookie but midway through his rookie year late into his rookie year and then early second year you're really seeing like okay bona fide guy oh can't be the this dude where he's at right now with with what they wanted and hey we drafted the guy who didn't sack the quarterback in his final year at Penn State and was purely all talent, and this is kind of what happens. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with these guys, and I'm sure you'll listen to other podcasts and the, the quote-unquote nerds, as Jay said. Um, we'll tell you that Adafi <laughs> always great, and he's creating a lot of pressure, but, you know, in January, when you got to get Patrick Mahomes down on third and six, he can get all the pressure he wants. If he's not bringing 15 down to the ground, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Um, for me, the defense, just a couple things. Uh, I'll start positive because I've been relatively positive outside of the opening of the show. Kyle Hamilton is awesome. If Max Crosby wasn't named the Condor already, we would just give him that nickname. It's an incredible <laughs> nickname, and it just makes sense. Um, he's everywhere. Talk about a player that the nerds absolutely love and that the – regular uh like jay said stupid people like us love um it's kyle hamilton the guy can do it all um and man remember when that guy who was supposed to go top five ran a bit of a slow 40 and then safety apparently isn't a premium position in the nfl so you don't want to pick that guy and he falls to the first he falls to what the 14th pick 14 linderbaum and kyle hamilton in round one like right there kyle hamilton is a stud that is a dude that is going to be kept around you know we talk about trying a Matabike type where you really want to keep him, but he's going to be a lot of money. Hamilton, I think for me, is that next level of player that the Ravens prioritize keeping around. They prioritize keeping their elite, elite blue chip talent. And he is that. Um, And the only other thing for me, the last two games, and I was at the Cleveland game and then watching this one, and it has been a few days. I have watched the replays, but the run defense just doesn't look right. Um, you know, I think it was Patrick Queen's worst game since Roquan Smith came to town, and I know he led the team with 11 total tackles. Some of that, and a lot of that, as Antonio mentioned, was in the passing game, but and not just Queen here, but I just think the running, the run defense has been weak. I think it's been really, really weak these last two games. And look, that's a, that is an important part of January late, like late uh, season football when it gets cold. This is. These are all sayings and stereotypes for a reason. You're going to have to be able to stop the run and prevent second and four all the time because you're not going to get off the field if it's second and five, second and four, second and three all of the time. And the Bengals averaged 5.9 yards on the ground, rushing it 23 times. You know, Joe Mixon, 16 carries for 69 yards, averaging 4.3 yards a carry. It's not good enough for the defense that has been so, so dominant 
part of the reason they're so so dominant is first down if they're if the team's running the ball or first or second down they're not getting two yards and if they're getting two yards they're they're thanking their lucky stars because the run defense was so so good um you know broderick washington was a, was a healthy scratch from this game a guy that the ravens paid and you know that's a little bit of a worry outside of whatever John Harbaugh says. You know, I, I know Jay says it in our rundown here. said, quote, it was a result of the opponent and what the Bengals like to do. You just paid the defense a tackle to, to stop the run, and you need to stop the run, and you were terrible at stopping the run the week before. He ain't a healthy scratch if he's playing well. Like, that's just the, the long and short of that. So something to watch there. I, I still love this defense. I still love Mike McDonald. I still, you know, would say – Here's all the money. Here's all of King Midas's gold, and you're going to be the coach in waiting when John, when we finally decide to get rid of John Harbaugh and pretending and stop pretending that we're the Steelers. That that was a shot. I, I didn't mean that. Um, <laughs> it's a little. It's too far. Too far, Tim. Um, but I, I, I'm still very, very high on that unit. I still think that's the unit that's going to lead them to glory if they get there. Frankly, but the run games, the run defense, excuse me, has to step it up because it just hasn't been good enough. Well, I think that Broderick Washington scratch, you, you kind of nailed it, Tim. I think that's the team saying something is wrong yeah, <laughs> with, sure. with our run defense and, and trying to identify what it is. I mean, clearly John Harbaugh, I think, is signaling he thinks the problem was Broderick Washington, at least for one game. Because uh, it was it's kind of bizarre. Yeah, you extend this guy and then you cut him. And yeah, you, I mean, you said the... The Harbaugh quote, I don't, that doesn't really pass muster to me, but uh, um, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm with you. It, it, it's, I think why, you know, ever slowly, but the Ravens have dropped from the top spots in yards and points down to third uh, in each category. They were, you know, one, two. So it, it's been a minor slippage, but it has been slippage. And I think it's been noticeable. And, and obviously, certainly we talked about it, that's what helped the Browns get back in the game. And I think would have kept the Bengals in the game. I mean, really, that's what, it is kind of hard with this game because I thought they were moving the ball pretty well. You know, they miss a field goal, they hit a field goal, they score a touchdown. They're up ten to seven when Burrow leaves the game, uh, and they don't score again until a minute to go or so. So, um, you know, I think they would have had a real test on their hands if, if Burrow stays healthy all night because he, Antonio, you mentioned he was kind of picking them apart a little bit on that drive. He got hurt on, unfortunately for him and them and. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I have yeah minor concerns. I think I think there's enough you know brain power and stuff to figure it out. I don't know that anyone's solved the Ravens quote unquote. You are. I guess we do have to remember too. Uh, at least I do. You're. This is the second time you've seen both of these teams. Right. They know your stuff uh, more than anyone else. Uh, and uh, are the teams that are built to beat you? You know, in this division. So. Um, so maybe that's just part of it is is the familiarity, but yeah, certainly I think there's been slippage, and especially in the run game the last few weeks. One other player that I want to mention defensively is Marcus Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. I I love this dude. I respect the hell out of the fact that he is gutting out the season with the shoulder injury that we thought was going to put him on injured reserve for the season. But he visibly cannot tackle and can't seem to use his, I think it's his left arm mm-hmm. or shoulder, much at all. The third down pass breakup that he had on the first drive against the Bengals should have been a pick six. I mean, he's he's so there. If you see the all-22 angle, he's very much there. But he can't pick up his arm. He can't pick up the left arm 
So he just has to extend one arm. The the sound was so loud of him batting it down is because it hit him directly on the palm because that's how much he had already well pursued the throw. I don't know what to do here. I don't know what the right answer is. Um, because at some point, is a 100% healthy player on the field worth more than his skills and abilities if he's playing at 50% because he only has one arm that he can use? You see it every game. There'll be a few like long runs that he arrives late at and doesn't really help. T- he just kind of puts his one arm on the pile and kind of leans it to one side. And I, I just cannot wait until we're playing in December, in January, and there's a play that he can't make on the ball because he can't pick his left arm up. And I just see it happening. But I also respect what he's doing. So I don't know. Help me with this. What is the line when it's like, you know what? We need a healthy body. We appreciate it. We love it. Gotta have somebody out there that if the ball's thrown to your left, you can make the same play on it as if it's thrown to your right. Yeah, I, I mean, it's tough. And it really jumps out to you that, uh, how bad his shoulder is when it comes to the tackling stuff. Uh, like, watching, rewatching like, some of the game today, uh, there, there was, like, one play where it was, like, it was a run, like, to the left or someone caught the ball and it was going out to the left. And he visibly just kind of backs up and yields yardage rather than attack them to just kind of, like, angle them out of bounds instead of like attacking and just kind of pushes them out like with his like right arm uh out of bounds instead of you know and i think he like gave up a first down because of it uh and there were just a few other plays like that where it seems like there's like some backpedaling when they're perhaps should be flying forward and stuff and what a healthy player might be doing it's tough because i mean he's really smart obviously they want him out there um but yeah it 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 does jump out and because i saw some people complaining about this in prior weeks with him and i hadn't noticed it as much but for whatever reason in this game especially on rewatch it it was it was on my radar uh because you had mentioned it antonio and i was just kind of looking for it and i was like man he is not using that arm at all and it's like even when on that breakup like he's not he can't sell he can't high five like with his like left arm it's all it's all like right hand like fist pumps and like back slaps and stuff but it's like he could barely it seems like he could barely move it so yeah i i don't know i don't know what the solution is we've talked about it it's unfortunate his whole thing was i don't get injured and then he's basically played like half a season for the ravens in a year and a half um but yeah i i it is i'm with you it's a concern and yeah i just envision also it being a problem in the playoffs at some point yeah i'm, I'm, I'm with you it's you almost rather would rather him be healed up and then good for playoff time, but it almost look even with the likes of Geno Stone, who's had a really good year, and Kyle Hamilton, as we mentioned before, they still want Marcus Williams out there even at fifty percent. So that tells you something: good, bad, and different. Who knows? Um, but yeah, obviously a very important piece that you know, God willing, he can get that thing fixed up so he can actually start hitting some dudes few intangibles to go over uh and i'm gonna try it's good that as jace mentioned this game was a few days ago so i've kind of taken a breath uh with it a little bit but i'll still dive in do do ravens players uh get to go on instagram live post game and make fun of the bengals and make fun of the city uh after sweeping them or is that only normal for teams to do when the ravens have a backup qb playing i'm just curious as to what the protocol is here from the cincinnati perspective um because we didn't forget. We didn't forget all the trash uh, in years where you didn't win anything. So it, it, you, you reap what you sow. And uh, 
and now you have another situation with a back. Just quickly on that. Who will not yeah, quickly games. on that, Antonio, before you move on. Um, Save me from myself, Tim. Yeah, d- d- oh, dive no, in here, I'm going gonna, gonna to fuel the fire because this <laughs> Cincinnati, this Cincinnati Bengals team <laughs> is the most privileged for doing absolutely nothing unit of fans and players that I have ever seen. Um, and they getting them getting mad about that after coin flip gate, after Tyler Huntley all these times, like, shut up. Just shut up. And I heard this on another podcast that I, that I listened to on Monday. It's kind of my rotation of recapping the weekend stuff. That I'm, you know, not my original idea, but God, I hope it comes to fruition. Someone said, is Joe Burrow just going to be Dan Marino? Where he made his Super Bowl in his second year. He, you know, put up all these stats, but then did nothing after that. T. Higgins is a free agent after this year. Joe Mixon is a free agent after this year. He's going to be throwing to Jamar Chase and Trent Irwin with Samaj... Oh, no, not even Samaj P. Ryan. Somebody else in the backfield. Like, did did the window close on the Cincinnati Bengals? Like... We're talking about that up next on Pod Like a Raven. I think that there there could be something there, and it's getting to the point where it's like my whole New England thing. Like, I don't hope they're bad. I just hope they're like seven and ten for the rest of eternity. And it's not going to be that bad with Burrow if he can stay on the field, injury prone much. Um, I just I would love it because of how they've acted. After one magical run, they've all of a sudden acted like their, you know, their S don't stink. And it, it stunk. It stunk really bad on Thursday night. Hey, well, the fan thing, I just do not understand. It was, it was, they were the worst franchise in the NFL for like 30 straight years. They didn't, they didn't win a, they didn't win a playoff game in like our lifetimes. <laughs> and then uh, um, they win in, they go to the Super Bowl. And they make the AFC Championship game, and yeah, their their fans react like they're like the best team in the NFL, uh, and have hurtled past Steelers fans is more annoying to me because you're like, at least Steelers fans like you're like, yeah, you got six Lombardi trophies and like 50 years of success to to kind of fall back. At least on. I respect and, uh, you, you know. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. But uh, I did see this from Roquan Smith. So, you know, I'm not on Twitter as much as I once was, but uh, apparently Jermaine Pratt, a Bengals linebacker, uh, for some reason replied to a Skip Bayless (laughs) video post he made. Uh, I didn't watch the clip. I don't even know what they were talking about. But all he said was about the Ravens, yeah, only looked good because nine got hurt. And uh, Roquan Smith was asked about this. on uh, Bobby Trossett and Sarah Ellison's podcast. Um, and, and I just, it was just, I love Roquan Smith. It was the, the perfect uh, response. And he keeps hurtling up up my rankings of favorite Ravens uh, because he said what Pratt said, quote, sounds like a bunch of excuses. If you ask me, we could have said that last year when Lamar wasn't out there. It's about, are you in the excuse-making business or are you in the result-making business? And I'm more so in the result-making business. Sounds like an excuse for me. I guess that makes him feel better. <laughs> God, I love him so much. I love him so much. Yeah. So I, I, I still was worried about the Bengals all a bit in the aftermath of the game because I, I don't know. I just didn't think Burrow, I thought, because they thought he had a sprained wrist after the game. And I was like, we won, but there's still a very real chance they're the seventh seed. <laughs> I don't want to see them in the playoffs. Uh, but with him gone for the year, you know, it sucks for them. But I think uh, the Bengals are donezo as a contender because Jake Browning is not an NFL quarterback. He was 
had one good year in college and was otherwise a fine college quarterback. I didn't know he was still in the NFL when he came trotting out there. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I love Roquan Smith. I, I'm glad we swept the Bengals. That feels like we haven't done that in a while. Uh, so that's a good feeling. Um, and, uh, yeah, weird game, weird end for their season. Uh, but, you know, I'll take it. I, I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not going to celebrate too hard because of the Burrow injury, but it still feels good to sweep the Bengals at the end of the day. By the end of this season, uh, Burrow will have missed, assuming he doesn't play again, which is, I think, you know, pretty much a guarantee. Uh, he will have missed 13 games in four seasons due to injury, including two back halves uh, of two different seasons. Kind of like someone else we know. Uh, who has this massive reputation as someone who quits on his team. I Obviously, Burrow's injuries have been legitimate season-ending injuries. That is not the point of this. The point of this is football is really, really hard, and maybe you kind of have to take moments where you take a breath before you want to malign uh, a different quarterback with an injury because you don't think it's real. These guys get hurt a lot. Windows close very quickly uh seasons that look promising can be fickle and it's just i think we should change the narrative about uh a quarterback who plays in baltimore who happened to get two injuries to end two different uh seasons so that's the one thing i wanted to say and then the last one i logan wilson should i just want him out of the afc north i don't necessarily think anything that he did was uh especially egregious but i don't like him I don't like him, and I don't want him. I don't want him hitting Raven players. Ever yeah. Hard agree. Hard agree. I, I don't. I don't know what a hip drop. Ta- I don't. I didn't hear the phrase "hip drop tackle" before Thursday night, and maybe I'm just out of the know on that particular aspect of the game. But yeah, I'm done with that guy. Dirtiest player in the league. Roy Roy Williams esque, <laughs> the Cowboys' safety back in the day. Got to go. Suspend him for life. Well, you know what's funny is it's the the Lamar hit on along the sideline. I think was actually probably his dirtiest hit, just going kind of low on a quarterback who's going out of bounds. Like I want to rewatch the Andrews play a few times, and it really. I know they made a big have made a big deal of the hip drop tackle, and it's renewed. And they've been debating this on and off the last several years of banning this tackle, uh, which has gotten a lot of pushback from defensive players just because it's like one of uh, you're basically then relegated to doing one type of tackle i guess going going forward but uh i don't know watching it in real time it really didn't seem that bad to me it's kind of just an unfortunate play and then with the beckham thing uh, you know i feel like guys get praised so much where we're like look he's still trying even in a blowout uh, i chase this guy all the way down the field and it's like you know, we can't get mad at Beckham or at Wilson, I think, for doing that, chasing down Beckham. And then just because Beckham, like, hurt his shoulder, that being like, oh, this guy, <laughs> get him out of here. Uh, that being said, I do agree, get him out of the league. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, wildly but, too rational from you, Jace. Just yeah, absurd. Uh, yeah. All that being said, don't need him, don't want him. Uh, Wyoming quarter or Wyoming linebacker, questionable. Uh, don't, don't need them. Uh, so yeah, so I, I will say, uh, just speaking of Bengals arrogance and stuff, the, the actual softest thing, you know, I think the Wilson injuries were, were what it were, but them not making him available to talk to reporters after the game, after these things, just shielding him and then Zach Taylor defending him the next day, that that's soft. Uh, you know, let the guy, 
you know, guy can defend himself. He's a grown man. That's what he gets paid for, uh, etc. So, you know, again, if he didn't think he was doing anything dirty, he can say that. <laughs> and Ravens fans could disagree. And I'm largely, you know, I, I just said I don't really think anything he did was particularly dirty. But, uh, yeah, it's very soft of the Bengals to shelter this guy. And uh, shame on them. <laughs> All right. Anything else from this game, guys, before we turn to the Yeah, NFL? just a, a couple just quick things here before we go. Um, you know, I think I think the the fan who goes to the game all the time, I think, is generally more optimistic. And I have a very good friend who is probably my and I love him to death for this. He's probably the most optimistic Ravens fan I know. Shout out Mike Brown. Um, he sent our group chat a number of videos from the atmosphere saying, huge win, can't believe it, even the next day, we're Super Bowl bound, this is crazy. And, like, it's fun for, I, you know, obviously I wasn't going to, like, deride him of that opinion. I wish I felt the same. I just don't because I'm a miserable, miserable person. Um, but one of the things that I did enjoy was the crowd was electric on Thursday night, they they forced five Bengals pre-snap penalties and two timeouts where the, the Bengal, and this is all with Burrow in there, clearly couldn't, at least the, uh, the timeout, excuse me, clearly couldn't communicate and was frustrated. And they mentioned that the Bengals were like one of the lowest penalized teams in the National Football League um, before this game. So the crowd showed up. Like, just credit to them. I think that was awesome. And then another thing on a, on a little bit of a lighter note. Um, if you haven't seen the video of Roquan Smith pumping up a cameraman, I highly encourage that you do. Roquan Smith's pregame speech, I'm just watching it right now on, on mute, um, and I think the the one that the Ravens tweet out, you can't even hear what Roquan's saying, but he is like, he's like Ray Lewis levels of just hype and energy and like staring at you, and you better, you better stare right back at that man, because if not, you're probably going to melt. Um, and the cameraman is in this, obviously, because they get the close-up shot of the guy doing the, the hype speech or whatever. And the cameraman looks like he's ready to fill in for Mark Andrews and play tight end in the game. Like, he is jacked up, literally, at one moment, literally gives, like, a, yeah, like, like, like blows, like, exhales hard. Um, Rokon Smith is the best. Like, the, an, another episode of Pod Like a Raven where we just sit here and say Rokon Smith is the best. Because he's the best. And, uh, yeah, th- look it up. You need to find it, the video of the cameraman getting pumped up by Roquan. It's It's just absolutely incredible stuff. All right, let's turn to the NFL. I watched a lot of other football on Sunday with uh, no Ravens on, and um, we are very lucky to have Lamar Jackson as our uh, NFL starting quarterback, as QB1, as they say. There are a lot of bad quarterbacks playing football right now. Steelers-Browns was an abomination of quarterback (laughs) play. I watched all of it for obvious, uh, obvious reasons. Um, neither quarterback can complete a pass 10 yards downfield. I'm going to say that again. Neither quarterback can physically complete a pass 10 yards downfield. I'm talking air yards here, not a screen that then leads to six broken tackles and a 10-yard gain, because that is the only way that the Steelers were able to gain any yards against the Cleveland Browns. I think they ran a dozen screens of some kind uh, against Cleveland to get some sort of yards. And it's just a reminder. It's a reminder from this past offseason. Lamar Jackson was just available. He was available. And many, many teams said, nah, I think we're going to go with Desmond Ritter. I think we like what we have in Ritter for at least six games this season. 
No, I think Kenny Pickett is the answer. Um, can't can't throw a pass, but I think he's going to be our franchise guy. There are many scenarios where Lamar Jackson could have been gone and should have been gone. Um, imagine Jackson on the Steelers. Can no. you imagine him Stop. on the Pittsburgh no, Steelers? No, 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 no. But we got him. We got him instead. And the Steelers will live with Kenny Pickett for as many years as they continue this uh, charade. Because he is objectively terrible on every snap. And we had a game where both defenses were basically just playing three yards off of the line of scrimmage. And the color commentator, I can't remember if it was Charles, is it Charles, Charles Davis? Davis yeah. he, if he was on that game... He recognized it like halfway through the second quarter and kept bringing it up over and over again. But neither quarterback was able to beat the three-yard defense uh, the entire game. And these teams, is what, these are who we are competing with in the AFC North. Both of these teams have uh, clear winning records. It's very frustrating. Um, the AFC North, I mentioned this in the intro, went from being, will all four teams make the playoffs to... Will two even make the playoffs? I think it'd be pretty comfortable that the Ravens are in the playoffs at this point, assuming Lamar Jackson plays, what, another three games uh, healthy. The Bengals struggling. The The Browns uh, <laughs> won that game against the Steelers, are 7-3 <laughs> and three now. I'm not sure they're going to be able to score 20 points for the rest of the season if they keep DTR as the quarterback there. And the Steelers at 6-4. and four, have a minus 29 point differential. Um, maybe the magic is finally wearing off there. So I, I do think we're at a different situation now with the AFC North. Um, what other what other teams did you guys see, watch, uh, enjoy on a, just a clear Sunday with no Raven stress? Well, well I, I did just want to touch on the, the AFC North a little bit because I, I, like you, I did spend the game I watched the closest was this Browns-Steelers game because I was interested in it. Uh from from a, a division perspective, and you're right. I mean, I think it's going to be hard kind of for the Browns to miss the playoffs. I mean, I guess they can. Um, I, I just feel like even as bad as Dorian Thompson-Robinson is, um, I think the Browns have more going on than the Steelers, which is weird to say. I think they're just a better team. I think offensively they're better coached. Uh, you know, I don't – they have – I think players that pop more, like Amari Cooper's good. David Njoku uh, could cause problems. Uh, they they get good ground performances in a way the Steelers don't when anyone other than Jalen Warren touches the ball uh, for Pittsburgh. And, and you, you mentioned how many years they stick with Pickett. I think it might be year. I think it might be the end of this year because he was atrocious on Sunday. I mean, yeah, you mentioned the bad quarterback play. Like Dorian Thompson Robinson is also bad. He's a bad player. We saw it when the Ravens played him. But he's a rookie. Pickett's a second year guy, and he shouldn't he shouldn't be this bad. Uh, I don't think. Uh, I mean, both these quarterbacks average three point eight yards per play. <laughs> Of yards per attempt in this game. It's just just absolutely brutal. Brutal. Pickett has 106 yards, 77 net when you take sacks into account. Uh and, and Thompson Robinson 163 yards. It was it was a slog. And I and I, I think what the concern for the Steelers is and why I think I'm more more leaning the Browns play is I think 
the Steelers at least seem like they're giving off a team that's fracturing a little bit in, in the post game, the way like Najee Harris explicitly said, you know, he came out and he, he said, he was like, we can't, we're, we play in the NFL and, and we can't keep expecting to win like with these performances. And he's right. I mean, they just, the offense is just not good enough and you can only, I'm sure they can still beat us again, but you can only smoke and mirrors so much. And with the Browns, I, I, I don't know if we mentioned this yet. They signed Joe Flacco. That became official today. And I think there's a non-zero chance that he's starting a game for them by the end of the season. Because, you know. I, end of the PJ season? Walker. He should be starting next week. <laughs> yeah, well, that's. I, 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 it's mainly, I think, Tim, just how much time does he need to learn the play? Look playbook? at Josh because... Dobbs. He doesn't need any time. <laughs> just throw it up for offense I mean, or defensive pass interference. You're fine. That's literally how the Ravens yeah. won so many games over the years. And Flacco has not been good in a while, and it does break my heart a very tiny amount that he's on their team now. Uh, you know, it's his career; he can do what he wants. But it it will be sad to me if like Joe Flacco's starting a playoff game for the Cleveland Browns, uh, which is a, a non-zero chance. Uh, of That'd happening. be a scary thing. That's it. Postseason Joe is a whole whole he, different. He end. hasn't been there since 2014, right? Like so, he you know he hasn't unlocked the magic in a while. Um, and, and I guess yeah, this I I kind of spent time tracking. You know, we're kind of I feel like starting to. I mean, the AFC is a complete jumble, but you expect the Bengals to fall off. But like the Broncos are five and five now. The Colts are five and five. The Bills are technically still out of a playoff spot. The Steelers. This morning, I have a tiebreaker, so the Steelers are still in seventh. So, I, 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 I'm with you. I think only two AFC North teams are going to make it. I still think I, – I ended Sunday thinking it was going to be us and the Steelers, but now, I don't know, with the Browns winning that game, I could see the Browns. But then I guess that means the Texans are a story because the Texans and the, the, the Jaguars are playing for first place. They both have nice wins on Sunday. Um and so that's kind of, kind of, I think, interesting. And what I hate and why I would love the Ravens to get that number one seed if we can is you just know the Bills are going to get the seventh seed and we're going to be hosting the Bills in a 2-7 matchup. And I don't want that. It's the, the wild card teams are all going are all teams I don't want to play, but especially the Bills. So I guess my takeaway, the Bills look good on Sunday. I hope they go on a run here and push for the four or five seed because I have no interest in playing Buffalo in the first round. Uh, yeah, you know, tend to, as usual, agree with a lot of stuff that Jace just said. Um, I'll start there, I guess, then, just quickly. Yeah, Bills shook off some demons, fine. But, like, it's a fireball offense for Joe Douglas to stick with Zach Wilson and not <laughs> trade a seventh-round pick for Josh Dobbs at the trade deadline. Um, it, it's insane that they just stuck to their guns with Zach Wilson and now Tim Boyle is going to be the starting quarterback for the Jets in their next game who might be worse than Zach Wilson there there were plenty of quarterbacks available I know the Kirk Cousins thing like you know obviously he gets injured that that hurts guess what the Vikings did they were proactive they went and got a guy who in a situation where uh Josh Dobbs in Arizona that they paid pittance for him to try and just stay relevant the Jets have an incredible defense. They could have done the same thing, and they would probably be a playoff team right now, in my opinion. Like, with that defense it w- it, and just mediocre play that wasn't detrimental, they could the Jets would be fine, and they just sat on their hands, didn't do anything, and screwed the pooch. And you know what? Good for them because the AFC is loaded as it is. So I, frankly, don't care and hope the Jets continue to lose. Um, 
the only other thing I'll point out, I mean, you guys kind of covered all of it. The Texans continue to win. The Jaguars win again. The Titans look dead. Um, I'll get to the Giants later. We'll talk about that game later because y'all laughed at me. Um, the Dolphins, I think, 20-13 to 13 over the Raiders. It was a closer game than everybody thought. You know, in my personal life, I had to – just a, like one of those, I'm going to throw two bucks on this crazy uh, same-game parlay that was basically expecting the Dolphins to demolish the Raiders, and that didn't happen. But weirdly for the Dolphins, I think it's good that they kind of had a tough, gritted-out win at home against an inferior opponent, that they showed that they can win those type of games instead of crumble. But the two teams I kind of want to talk about um, are two teams that the Ravens absolutely destroyed that I think are going in different directions and reflect the Ravens' record differently. And that's the Seahawks and the Lions. The Seahawks were this team that everybody wanted to put in the upper echelon of a weaker NFC, and I think that it's more of just the NFC being weaker than the Seahawks being any good. They lose to the Rams, and I think that a couple weeks ago when we destroyed the Seahawks, like, what a big win over the Seahawks, and I think that was more of an indictment of the Seahawks aren't as good as we thought they actually were, and maybe the NFL slate that week wasn't that great. So, and I don't, I don't have it in front of me, so maybe I'm wrong on that. And they just thought, oh, this is a premier matchup. Seahawks, we all think are kind of good. Ravens, we all think are kind of good. Turns out the Seahawks just, I don't think, are a very good football team. Like, the long and short of it there. And then the Lions, you know, obviously we'll all be watching on Turkey Day. They are the first game of Thanksgiving when you're, you got to turn the TV on to find something to do. And usually it's like, oh, God, watch the effing Lions again. And now it's like, the Lions! I get to watch the Lions play. The Lions got out a big win over the Bears. They were down, like, a lot or like late in this game. And they the Lions typically find a way to lose this game, especially when they're favored and all the expectations are on them. They gut it out. They David Montgomery scores against his old team. The game-winning touchdown, a 31-26 win. 8-2 now the Lions sit. That defense is terrible. The, the Lions' defense is absolutely atrocious. But, man, they are a good football team, and... A credit to the Ravens for really, really taking care of it a couple weeks ago. And, and look, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching them on, on Thanksgiving Day uh, against the Packers. So I, I do think they're one of the more interesting, certainly, stories of the, of the uh, season. Quick trivia question. Any idea the last time the Lions won their division? Have you heard this? Um, I'm going to go with, like, 1972. Just not even – just, just okay. not, It's not that not long there. ago, but it's in our lifetimes. But barely. <laughs> is it a is it a Barry Sanders era or is it a Stafford? Era? Uh, it is Barry Sanders era. Yikes! It's like ninety four. Nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety three. They won the NFC Central, a division that doesn't exist anymore, uh, and they lost a playoff game to Brett Favre, uh, and um, I believe his first playoff say. win with the Packers <laughs> many years ago. Um, and they have not won their division since, so they are hurtling towards a division title, um, which is exciting. And they've never hosted a playoff game at Ford Field, and that stadium opened like 20 years ago now. Um, so it, it's very exciting. I'm with you, Tim. I'm excited to watch them. They play the Packers on Thanksgiving. It'll be nice. Uh, you know, I truthfully don't remember if they won last year. I was traveling on Thanksgiving. Um, but it's always good, you know, if the Lions are competent, that will certainly make Thanksgiving funner. And... I knew they were good, but it's still kind of startling to watch, look up, and see this the Lions as a two seed with an eight and two record. Like it just is not something we've really ever seen as football fans. And but to your point on the Seahawks, it's, it is interesting, Tim, because I agree they're going in the wrong direction. And with the Vikings, it's like I don't know if they can hold on with Josh Dobbs, but it feels like there's such a dividing line. Like 
The Vikings are six and five, and they're the, currently the seventh seed. Every team, like every other rest team in the NFC, has a losing record below the Vikings. Yeah. There's no like 500 team where versus, uh, you know, there, there's one, two, three, four teams with five wins in the AFC, and there's not, there's no other ones outside of the playoff picture. And there's no other ones in the NFC. It feels like we already have the dividing line. Like the Packers stink and they're the eighth seed right now. So <laughs> I don't know. It feels like the NFC might already have their playoff teams if like the Seahawks and Vikings could hang on. And that's kind of a weird place to be with like a lot of teams with still six games to go. All right, let's turn back to the Ravens. Uh, another matchup. Nice extra little rest here. Uh, Ten days of rest. Unfortunately, another primetime game, uh, and this one's on the road, and it's all the way on the West Coast. Ravens at Chargers. Raven four-point favorites against the Chargers. Let's start with them, uh, the Ravens, offensively against the Chargers' defense. Because, boy, this is where the opportunities should be. Uh, The Chargers, 31st in yards per game allowed. Dead last in passing yards per game, and actually a little bit better than I thought. Uh, They're 12th in rushing uh, yards per game against. It seems like this is the the side of the ball that is going to be exploited. The Ravens continuing on their quest for another 30-point ball game. And based on what we have seen from both of these teams on this side of the ball, kind of feels like we could be in store for another Ravens 30-plus points. I I feel like this is like... If you were gonna to have to play without like without Mark Andrews, this is the perfect first opponent to face without Mark Andrews because uh, nothing suggests the Chargers should be able to slow down the Ravens' passing attack, except you know unless the Ravens shoot themselves in the foot, which is always possible. Uh, but uh, I, I mentioned the Packers are the current eight seed. Uh, they did win and they beat the Chargers on Sunday. And just an abominable loss for the Chargers. I, I, the Packers, I think, are a truly awful team. And uh, But the Chargers' defense is so bad, they let the Packers, they gave up the most passing yards the Packers have had this year. They gave up, So the Packers had the most passing yards of the year, and they scored more than 20 points for the first time since week two. And that was mostly thanks to the strength of, or weakness, I suppose you should say, of the uh, Chargers defense and this will be a Chargers defense without Joey Bosa presumably I don't know uh, Tim if they've said anything official I never actually saw that but he was carted off on Sunday in tears which is not what you want to see that doesn't suggest uh, a guy who will be playing Sunday night so they do have Khalil Mack who's in double digit sacks now but six of those I believe came in one game so um just not not a lot and I think it's uh you know, uh, the pressure's on Brandon Staley. He got into it with uh, Chargers media uh, yesterday in Green Bay uh, after the game. And it, it seems like he's on the a big-time hot seat. So, you know, I think as long as the Ravens don't, as I said, don't shoot themselves in the foot, fumble the ball 12 times, which they, you know, admittedly haven't done the last, last few weeks at least, um, I think they'll put points up. I, it just seems like the Chargers have no answers right now on the defensive side. Yeah, the the Brandon Staley thing, I mean, you mentioned it. As of recording, so this could change, but I'm glad he's still in a job because the the Chargers kind of having the Antonio Pierce-like effect if he was fired and was like, let's win it for the new guy because everybody's tired of this, um, would be bad for the Ravens. Um, 
Yeah, as for Bosa per Ian Rappaport, it looks like the the X-rays were negative, so it's no Achilles issue, but probably a sprain. So I I don't think he's going to play Sunday. You know, but good news for the Chargers down the road. Not like it means anything. They're not making the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't have a ton to say on this side of the ball. This is where you got to execute. Like, just don't be stupid. The, the, they still have Khalil Mack. The Chargers defense is so weird to me because they still have dudes, right? They still have guys <laughs> yeah. who you would. Derwin James is still Derwin there. Derwin James is still there. <laughs> um, obviously, the J.C. Jackson thing did not work out at all um, for them, but. Derwin James is still there. Khalil Mack is still there, even if Joey Bosa isn't going to play. So it's it's more of, sounds easy, but execute your game. Don't turn the ball over, and you're going to score 30 points, like Antonio said. So for me, it's pretty simple on that side of football. Defensively for the Ravens against the Chargers offense. Uh, let's see. We're about an hour in. What do you think? Should we just open up another hour and talk about uh, Justin Herbert and what <laughs> he is and what he isn't? And who he is and who he isn't, because every other uh, major media show uh, and network talks about it ad nauseum. I don't really know. I think he's a talented player on a mediocre team, and that's how you get mediocre results. But for this game, at least in particular, here, I saved us another 59 minutes of of talking about it. Um, In this game in in particular, what will the Ravens have to do defensively to just keep the Chargers offense, which at times can be explosive, under wraps enough to to get a a win on the Well, hopefully the Chargers receivers just drop passes, uh, because apparently (laughs) that doesn't happen to anybody else in the National Football League, according to the national (laughs) media. They haven't watched the Ravens for the last two years. Um, I just want to do the Justin Herbert thing here, because I opened this up to our text group uh, last night, and... This is old man hot takey from the jump, but you gotta let me explain this. Does Justin Herbert throw the ball too hard? And at what (laughs) point is he kind of part of the problem? He's not the whole problem. Justin Herbert is a fantastic quarterback. Justin Herbert has mechanically, he has all the tools. Is he a bit of a robot? I would say he is. (laughs) But the, the nerd community, and as Jace, you know, again, this is... When we, we've said this before on this show, but if you're a new listener, if you don't remember, that is the highest compliment I can give you. I love the football nerds. I, I would aspire to be the man that watches All-22, but I have a job and other th- like things in my life that I just can't watch the All-22 all the time. I, th- the, these people, these people, put <laughs> Justin, you people. you people, they put Justin Herbert on such a pedestal that he's like, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady thrown into one combo of quarterback and that he's the greatest thing since sliced bread and that he can do it all. And then, oh, my God, it's all on Quinton Johnson for dropping that pass. And it's all on Keenan Allen for dropping the pass and hit him right in the numbers. And I agree with a lot of that. I think Justin Herbert is an incredible player. I think I'm terrified of Justin Herbert going up against our Ravens defense. I'm terrified of Justin Herbert finally having a moment that he proves that he's not only a talented quarterback, but a good quarterback, because those two are different things, and leading the Chargers on some miraculous down 14 fourth quarter drive, or fourth quarter couple drives, where they beat the Ravens by one. I could totally see it happening, mainly because it's the Ravens, not because it's Justin Herbert. But at what point are we going to say that Justin Herbert is part of the problem? Like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be hot takey here. I'm really not. But there's something about it where 
I'm kind of tired of it. Oh, it's just the same old Chargers. All oh, the Chargers are going to charge her. Look at all these drop passes. And don't get me wrong. A lot of them were egregious against the Green Bay Packers. And maybe I'm, this is the wrong game to have this argument on. But we're doing it because they're about to play the Ravens. So this is when we're having this conversation because it's a Ravens show. I just think that he is, it's a strong word, but you both know what I mean. I think he's overrated for what he actually is and what he's done. And because, and by that, I mean most people think that he's a great quarterback. Most people think he is deserving of the contract that he got. And I am one of those people. But I don't think he is like quarterback mecca, which is some people want want to categorize him as. And I think the Ravens can take advantage of him. I think he is, he's not very improvisational. He is very, read here, go here, cannon arm, fire away. And to the point where his receivers can't even catch it sometimes because he throws the ball so damn hard. This is, I just, that's not old man taking. That's just facts. I don't know. Admit, you guys can tell me I'm completely off base and we can just say it's everybody else's fault and it's Brandon Staley's fault and everything. And that's fine. And look, I agree with 95% of it. 95, maybe even 97% of it is not Justin Herbert's fault. But at least 3 to 5% of it is for this long when he's being compared with the likes of, by the way, the unanimous MVP in 2019, Lamar Jackson. Like, I don't know. I- I'm done. I'm done here. But it just, you, you, get my, <laughs> you get my point. It seems there's a thing, and maybe it's just because it's game week and we have to play him next, and I'm just going to hear the... Oh, it's Justin Herbert from Collinsworth like 500 times on Sunday Night Football. Part of it is his problem, and it's okay to say that without being like, Oh my God, you criticized Justin Herbert! I, I, uh, I bet on this team, Tim. I, I took them <laughs> about a month ago, three weeks ago, when they were playing the Chiefs. And I think the, uh, the numbers might not be 100% accurate, but the Chiefs were a touchdown favorite, and I teased right. it and took the Chargers. Yep. So I had, like, two touchdowns to work with because all those games were three points. And after that, of course, didn't work out. I came on here and I talked about the very main issue that you have now brought up. He does not have touch. He's I, I described him like a pitcher, that he just throws the fastball over and over and over again and doesn't mix in any off-speed. I do kind of agree with that. He gets, he's in the robot read and just fires the cannon as opposed to considering this ball needs loft or this receiver can't catch it when I, when I throw this rookie receiver cannot catch it when I throw it on a line. So let me give him a little bit of touch so that he can work his way under it. And those are the small things that end up showing up when your team wins games that they shouldn't have won or wins games despite issues or despite the defense being bad, and he has not done that. You can count on one hand and still have fingers left over when there was a game where, wow, Justin Herbert ripped this team from the depths of a loss and won it on his own, and all the top quarterbacks have done that a a dozen times, and I don't think he does it enough. Uh, So I kind of agree, as somebody who then took the Chargers against the Packers um, and somehow lost that one too even though they were up with the ball, fumbled it on the two-yard line, and then uh, also had a sack fumble and couldn't recover the fumble, and, and then had another drive and couldn't sc- Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I've been converted to not being a big fan of his in terms of uh, winning games, but jokes aside, 
just the nuance of the little things, cliche old man, that turn losses into wins when you are the franchise quarterback. But I, the, the problem is the talent is still there and can certainly... Like, the Ravens could easily lose this game to me. I think that's the maddening oh, thing the, about the, him. The million percent, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like, I think that's the maddening thing about him and the Chargers is I think the Chargers have the ability, and he's a big part of it, to beat any team in the league. <laughs> I truly think that. I think they could beat every team, but they could also lose to every single team in the league. I could see them losing a game to Carolina. Easily. <laughs> something stupid happens. He fumbles the ball. Eckler fumbles. It's just, it's something with this, fr- it does permeate the franchise long before, you know, certainly Herbert got there. We had 20 years of Phil Rivers uh, having largely the same problems, <laughs> it seems like. But uh, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he is super talented and I could see him causing problems the Ravens had crazy success against him the one time they played him. That was, of course, a uh, Wink Martindale defense when they just hammered the Chargers uh, in um, Baltimore in 2021. Um, I'm interested to see, I guess, uh, this is sort of tangential to that, but just how much purple is in the stands for this game. We have not played at SoFi yet, I don't believe, uh, as a team. Um, so I'm interested to see if the Ravens fans travel, if there's a lot of purple there, Ravens fans in the area, obviously the Chargers don't really have a home field, but I wouldn't say we're the biggest national fan base. If it's 70% purple, you know, that's a problem for the Chargers. If you're getting overrun, I think by Ravens fans. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see that, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I struggle to criticize Herbert a little bit. I mean, I think at the same time, certainly you guys mentioned like the great quarterbacks kind of elevate their team in a way he hasn't like he's a below 500 quarterback. And I think like that, it might just mean he's on the same plane as Kirk cousins. Who's a great quarterback. Everything I said is not as mean as what you just said, by the way, everything I just said is not nearly as egregious as what you just said. Even you're defending him. Kirk cousins is a good player. This is, this is the problem with all this discourse, Tim. It's, I, I think two things could be true at once. I think Kirk Cousins is never going to win a Super 100%. Bowl, and I think he's a better quarterback than, like, certainly 75% of the league seems to be running out there. I, I think most weeks, Kirk Cousins is probably around the 10th to 12th best quarterback, <laughs> and sometimes that's fine. I think Herbert's ceiling certainly higher. He has weeks where he could be a top five, but certainly the consistency's not there. I think... I think maybe he's just not as great as people want him to be because of how special his physical tools are. But then you look at, I mean, that's what's so strange with this team. You look, he has got 19 touchdowns, five picks, and his team's four and six. It's like, what's going on here? It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It seems like something's not lining up. And that's like, yeah, you just have to like, I feel like watch and like, I mean, even like, you know, we talked about batted balls, but how that game ended on Sunday, fourth and one, gotta have it. And Kenny Clark knocks his ball down at the line. And it's just kind of an anticlimactic, like way to end a game. It's just sort of like, oh, that's it. I guess we lost. And I don't know. <laughs> Again, he's not the one who gave up like a 40 yard pass to Jordan Love with under two minutes to go to lose the game. But it just seems like this happens a lot with him. And, uh, 
Yeah, I'm not going to be surprised if he lights us up on Sunday, I guess. That's the other thing. He, he certainly has the ability to do that. And if, if if for some reason we are having a bad secondary day or something and they decide to catch the ball, it could be game over. Uh, or not a game over, but because every Chargers game is very close. <laughs> but they the Ravens could lose, or it could be a three-point game and they might not cover. Um, I'm not going to be surprised by pretty much any result. And I think that's just kind of his overarching problem in the teams. It's just like... Anything can happen. There's no consistency week to week. Yeah, then maybe they're cured of the dropsies. I think I think what you said there is the key point of, and I, just to sum this up, this discourse up, as you so rightly put it, that you said that maybe he's not what people want him to be, but there are a lot of people that put him in that want-to-be category. There are a lot of people that already put him in the category of what you just said. Well, maybe he's just not what people want him to be. There are people that think he is that, and he's not. He's just not. And I think that's, like you said, it's fine to say, but, you know, people get upset when you do that. So we'll see. Tim given, just, Tim given Justin Herbert bulletin board material. Yeah. He's yeah. not he's, him. Tim he's Horsey. definitely <laughs> listening to me in this podcast. Yeah, for sure. Now he's going to go for 505 tuds. The robot, he processes all media <laughs> about him at a, at a ridiculous pace uh, to to you know ai uh, program inspire him before games start um yeah i just the line is minus four i'm taking the ravens in this game minus four i just yes the ravens have been inconsistent they've also won a bunch of games and scored a ton of points and figured some things out offensively the run game will be there the passing game is going to be taking advantage of the Chargers' weakest point without Bosa. That pass rush is going to be severely limited. And the Chargers' charger, week in and week out. And I could see the Ravens winning this by a touchdown. I could see the Ravens winning this by 20 um, with the, some late crap uh, from, from Herbert where he you know, throws an amazing 80-yard pass in the fourth quarter. But... Um, the spread just not far enough. If it was Ravens by like six or six and a half or something, I'd start to be a little bit more concerned. But minus four I like. It's a good team playing what has been proven to be a bad team with a bad defense and a bad coach who is on the hottest hot seat we've ever seen. Maybe he's fired after this game. Thank goodness, Tim. He was not fired before mm-hmm. this game. Um, might, have, might have impacted my pick uh, if, that, if that was the case. We've just seen the inconsistency over and over and over again from this Chargers team. So I'm taking the Ravens, minus four, taking care of business on the West Coast. Um, I'll go to the rest of my picks and then let my my co-hosts run through theirs um, because it's been a struggle. It's been a slog for me this year. I'll be be quite honest. Um, I was waiting on the Bills Monday night result when we had recorded last week for my teaser course that didn't work out so that's uh, an extra loss tacked on from the week before this week i went one and two uh and the problem has been the ravens game i I think i have lost that pick (laughs) like the last six weeks i just keep going back and forth uh on when they have a good game or when they kind of uh, you know have an accident in the bed so as soon as i hit them once the whole thing will reverse for the rest of the season so go ravens this week at minus four and then your next, my next pick, you guys aren't even going to be prepared for. Um, it's Bengals, plus one and a half at home against the Pittsburgh wow. Steelers. 
I watched three hours of the Pittsburgh Steelers' number ones all over the field on offense. QB one, running back one, wide receiver one through four. They stink. They cannot <laughs> score points. They Their record should be significantly worse than it is. And we're just fooled by them. What is it? Six and four? Six and four. Seven and four? We're just fooled by this record that, oh, you know, they should be able to handle the Bengals on the road. No. They're a bad team that should be, should have a losing record, quite frankly. And it's going to finally start to bear out as the season finishes. Jace, I actually thought Jake Browning did some interesting things uh, against the Ravens. Completed a couple of passes. Would have had more success. I think they had a, a, a catch that was then overturned um, on the throw to Trenton Irwin that could have kept the drive going. He can do some stuff on with his legs. And outside of that, they just have legitimate offensive weapons. I think they're going to focus on getting Jamar Chase the ball in space as quickly as possible. I think Mixon's going to do some stuff. The game is in Cincinnati. And yes... I hate the Steelers team so much. I'm taking the Bengals plus one and a half. They're <laughs> six and five. And the conversation is Bengals not dead yet. So that's where I'm going with that. <laughs> and then my last pick is a three team tease. That is what I won this past week is a tease. So we're going to keep that going. Three teams, six point tease. I'm moving the Cowboys to minus four and a half at home against Washington. Cowboys. Just love demolishing bad teams, and they get to do it at home against Washington. I'm taking the Dolphins to minus three and a half at the Jets. You know who's not a solution to their quarterback problem? Boyle. Uh, <laughs> the Dolphins will win this game by a touchdown, if not two touchdowns. I'm moving that down to minus three and a half. And then the Chiefs, I'm moving that to minus three against the Raiders. That line at nine originally is like the perfect number in my opinion this game's in las vegas but the chiefs are not losing this game and they're gonna win by more than a field goal uh, i'm comfortable in that so the chiefs minus three there i'm 14 and 19 on the season i'm struggling i know that fade me if you want but i got a few weeks left to catch up here and i think this is the week I, um, I, I'm overlapping with you in a few picks, uh, Antonio, or at least on, on the same sort of wavelength. I'm also taking the Ravens minus four uh, for very similar reasons. I, I could see the Chargers winning this game as we laid out with the Herbert stuff, but I, I do think at the end of the day we're just a better team uh, despite the injuries. I think uh, Harbaugh, John Harbaugh did mention I think Marlon Humphrey might be back for this game. That would be great. <laughs> um, uh, someone to cover Keenan Allen. Um I'm just going with the Dolphins just straight up at minus nine and a half. Um, you know, they did struggle, but for the whole of this season, they've kind of been putting it on bad teams. And I know the Jets' defense is good, but it kind of gave way a little bit um, against the Bills. And uh, I just think they're not um, – I, I just think Tim Boyle's that bad. Didn't he throw two picks against the Bills? He stinks. He's like even – he's probably worse than Zach Wilson. Um I, he should not be a, a NFL quarterback. So I know it's it probably it may, might be a little big of a big number given that defense, but but I just don't see the, the the Dolphins defense is good enough that I don't see the Jets just putting enough points on the board. They just can't. They haven't been able to score all year. And then I'm back again for a sicko pick of the week. Uh, uh, um, we're taking the Carolina Panthers, the worst team in the NFL, uh, plus four 
at the Tennessee oh, Titans. So stinky. And yes, the Panthers have not scored 20 points in a month. It's been since October. They uh, Four straight games now. They have not scored 20 points. Minor problem. But did you know, in the last calendar year, the Titans are now 3-14, and 14, dating back to this time last year. The last full uh, year of play, the Titans are sitting at 3-14. and 14. They ended 2022 on a seven-game losing streak. They are 3-7 and seven this year. This is a bad team. Uh, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, it, it might be dumb, but I, I refuse to believe the Panthers are winning a single game all season. They have to win some games and the Titans are sneaky bad. I think, uh, you know, they're second worst team in the AFC right now. Um, and yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I pushed or I wanted on the show. I pushed in real life with the Panthers, uh, uh, when they were that Thursday night game against the bears. Um, but, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of just of a belief that uh, the Titans should just not be favored by more than three against anyone. So Panthers is the pick. So I'm 19 and 10 on the year. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, and I'm back. Talk about sicko picks of the week. Two and one last week. I did lose the Bengals. One Steelers plus four. Obviously a bit lucky because I got him a plus four before the Deshaun Watson news. And then Giants plus nine and a half. Because you two doubted me on this podcast. And I said the commanders shouldn't be favored by more than three points to anybody and it was nine and a half to old jersey juice tommy devito and man the giants came out swinging um you know <laughs> gabagool for everybody after that win shout out the giants plus nine and a half and spoiler alert i might need your help because i might have to go back to the giants this week but we're going to talk oh about that in God. a second because uh, i'm going to pull an antonio antonio has done this i think twice this year where he asks the advice of of jason and i for a third pick and i'll be honest I've done, I've done pretty well on the show this uh, this this year, but a lot of the time I don't really love the board. Um, yeah, why, Tim, why are you asking for my advice? You're 19 know, and 10 uh, on the season. You're asking me for help on a pick. All right, but but yeah. hey, you know, you got to get a little help from your friends sometimes. This week, um, I didn't even look at the line. I'm taking the Chargers. And it's plus four. Uh, Ravens win by three. It's, it's, <laughs> Ravens and Chargers always play tight, stupid games. Four is too much. It's plus whoever was the plus team. I'm taking them. Plus four. Uh, Chargers there. I've been doing this all year, and I'm 19 and 10. So, <laughs> hopefully, God willing, my luck turns and Antonio's luck turns, and the Ravens just start winning these games convincingly. A lot of the time, that doesn't happen. Uh, the pick I'm, I'm certain about, and as of recording, we don't know what's going to happen in the Super Bowl rematch tonight, which I'm very much looking forward to watching uh, between the Chiefs and the Eagles. Doesn't matter. I'm taking Eagles minus three and a half at home to Buffalo. That line almost certainly will change. Well, I would assume would change if, if something drastic happens in this game tonight. But as of right now, Eagles minus three and a half at home to Buffalo. Buffalo got a big win against the Jets. That's great. The Eagles are a much better football team than the Buffalo Bills. The Eagles are bigger. The Eagles are more physical. The Eagles are meaner. The Bills have nobody. I mean nobody that's going to stop the tush push or any other sort of run game from the big bad bully Eagles. Eagles minus three and a half. I'd take Eagles minus six and a half. I think they're going to blow the doors off the Buffalo Bills, and that's just kind of where I see both of those teams at the moment. So give me Eagles minus three and a half there. Um, and then I need some help, gentlemen. I could just go Thanksgiving tees and have a really good time and have some fun. Right now, uh, the, the three lines are Detroit minus seven and a half away to the Packers. Dallas minus 10 and a half, uh, or excuse me, at home, I should say. At home to the Commanders, Dallas minus 10 and a half, home to the Commanders. And then 49ers are away, minus 7 
at uh, away to the Seahawks. All those numbers, especially the first two, seem a little bit wonky for a six-point tease. I could just see that ten and a half. You move it down to oh, geez, four and a half or whatever it is, and it's just and the Commanders keep it close or whatever, or you tease it all the way up to sixteen and a half, and then all of a sudden it's seventeen points and it's a garbage time touchdown for the Cowboys, what have you. So I'm a little bit wary on the Thanksgiving tease, but if you want me to go that way, I, I might be able to make one up on the fly. The other two picks that I have here. Do I go back to the Tommy DeVito well in round three of Giants-Patriots? The two Super Bowls and this one. These are the three matchups, guys, <laughs> that are super important to this Giants-New England rivalry. The two Super Bowls obviously won by the New York Giants. This one, both teams want to lose this game. Both teams want to lose this game to restart their franchise and, and either get Marvin Harrison Jr. or more likely... Uh, Drake May or Caleb Williams to restart their franchise with a franchise, quote-unquote, franchise quarterback. And so in a game that both teams want to lose, both teams are crap, and I've been on the wrong side of the New England Patriots all season long, the Patriots are three-and-a-half-point favorites. The hook scares me, gentlemen, so I feel like I want to go back to the well with old Tommy DeVito up against Bill Belichick, I know, crazy, and take the plus three-and-a-half, hold my nose, and see, do the Giants sweep? This incredibly important <laughs> trifecta of matches with the New England Patriots? Or do they only lose by three points? I could see either way. I don't know if they lose by more than that. Because, again, both these teams want to lose. And both of these teams stink. The other game I'm thinking of that might be a little bit more reasonable. I love this Houston <laughs> Texans team. I think they're great. As Jace mentioned before, this matchup with the Jaguars is kind of for the division. Um, which, which I think is very important. But the Jags might have started to get some things right. And minus one and a half away to Houston, something just tells me that if you believe in Trevor Lawrence, this is one of those games where he says, "Uh uh-uh, this is my division now, CJ. This is my division now. And it's not a one-point game. It's a ten-point game. It's a seven-point game. It's a convincing... The narrative, as Antonio was talking about with his bets about the Bengals, the narrative coming out of the week is... Those, those Jaguars, man. Okay, we were starting to doubt them a little bit. They're starting to find their form again. In a, in a, in a game that you think is going to be tight, maybe take the points. But for some I just have this inkling that the Jaguars might be kind of, kind of on the up and up a little bit. And then they come out in a statement game against everybody's darling, the Houston Texans. So a long-winded way of saying I need some help from the panel here. Giants plus three and a half at home to the New England Patriots. Or Jaguars minus one and a half away to the Houston Texans. Tim, I have a lot of a lot of thoughts on these and I don't know if you're going to like any okay. of it. The Thanksgiving tease is the first thing that I I lean oh. to, but that's a a, a Thursday it's basically a Thursday game, right? And those are always weird and you're doing 3 of them at once. One of them has to go weird cuz it's a Thursday game. I'm afraid of that. Jags, minus one and a half. I have Jags as one of my over-under win teams, so I'm on the Jags. They were at home against a good team and got blown out against the 49ers. Then they were at home against a very bad team, and they blew them out. Now they're on the road to a team that's been kind of frisky good, who already beat them in Jacksonville by 20 points. I'm terrified. I'm terrified of that game. Uh... I don't know. I don't know what to say. The Giants one is the most fun. You're going against Bailey Zappi, right? This is not a Mac Jones 
game. Uh, I don't care. I don't I care with either the, of them. I think that'd be the. <laughs> I think that'd be the most fun. When I saw it was plus three and a half, I was like, "Oh, this game must be in New England." How could Tim take Devito uh, in New England? No, it's in it's in it's in New York. It's in New Jersey. I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, <laughs> I think that's where I have wow! to lean. Oh my god! Based on what I said with the other picks, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You're taking Devito times two. You know, ha- has he had the magic, and yeah. then we move on from it, or is it really going to strike twice? But New England, they are trash, so you're just getting free points with two trash teams. And Belichick is smart. Jace, and uh, Belichick is out, smart. He, want, he knows he wants to lose. He knows he wants to lose. Tanking is real. I might double dip on DeVito, Jace. What should I do? Well, this is crazy to me. He doesn't want to lose to the Giants, Tim. You said it yourself. Ah! You know, it, those Super Bowls combined with his prior history with the Giants, I feel like there's, other than the Jets, he clearly doesn't, I feel like, wants to beat the Giants probably almost more than any team. Uh... I don't know. I mean, is he coaching for his job in some ways? The rumors are flying out there. I don't know if he wants to still be the Patriots coach after this season, but I just I just am imagining him putting DeVito in the torture chamber in like a four like a four pick DeVito game. <laughs> and just like you know, maybe Zappy's probably not gonna have a great game. I didn't even know they'd benched Mac Jones to be honest. Uh, but I, I I just uh, Belichick defense versus Devito scares me. I I think I would lean with the Jags. I'd forgotten that they got handled by the Texans previously, but I agree with your points that I think the Jaguars are playing well. I think in general they're probably a better team. They're further along certainly in their development, like a year farther along probably. And I agree with your points about, like, if they're going to be like, hey, we're the team to beat in the AFC South, this is the game you win. Um, and uh, so I think I'd lean there. It's just I, I, I see why you want the belief in the <laughs> in the Giants, but it's just I, that's just a stay away from all sides for me because I could see anything happening in that game. <laughs> Wasn't that helpful? Yeah, that Tim? sucked. Didn't, you guys, you guys didn't help that me helpful at all. From us? Um, all right, I'm gonna be mad if I don't double dip on Devito, and it goes and it goes correct. But I'm taking the Jags. I'm taking the Jags. I'm taking the Jags. I'm not doing it. Well, that's a lot of pressure. I, I'm taking Jags minus one and a half. Um, Jace, my record has been very good this year, and if it if that loses, that's on you, not me. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, it's just. Tommy DeVito again is weird, right? And then they had it was like they got five points off of five turnovers that they were able to <laughs> register against the the Commanders. They had like six. They they got sacked like six times in the first half and still ended up winning that game because the Commanders were the Commanders. The nine and a half was the crazy part to me. That was more of a Commanders bet than it was a Tommy DeVito bet. So it was much fun. As it would be, and I might still take it in my personal life. We'll have to see. Um, well, I was gonna say, here's the thing. Real life, bet both. <laughs> I might have to. I might. I might put them in right now as we're speaking. Um, and but yeah, officially on the show, I'll go Jaguars plus four, Eagles minus three and a half, and Jags minus one and a half. I will say as well, I am definitely doing a Thanksgiving Day tease and probably betting all three games individually because <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. Why not? It's super fun. Come on. I love it. Uh, I mean, Tim, you can just add it to the let you make it a, a fourth no, pick no, if you want to. No, but that's no. don't want uh, to ruin the, the ruin the vibe here. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna do it for us. Uh, a fun episode. This Ravens team is good. We're eight and three. We could be eleven and zero, but you know what? We would hate 
being 11 and 0 because then we'd be sure to lose the first playoff game that we had to play. So we're right in that sweet spot, uh, playing for a top seed. We've got the ugly losses uh, to scare away all the the media frenzy, and the the weeks tick on. So we will be back next week uh, talking about the Ravens Sunday night game. Should be exciting. And for all the listeners, please enjoy Thanksgiving. Uh, be thankful for whatever you so choose. Uh, enjoy the football that day. Uh, root for Tim's unofficial, official, unofficial. <laughs> Just took them teeth. both, by the way. <laughs> uh, and then we'll be back to recap uh, all the football as usual. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.